All right, we're in a series called Divine Benefits, and uh, I want you to turn to Psalm 103 and Romans 5. So if you'll open to Psalm 103, and then if you want to put a marker at Romans chapter 5, we'll go over there in just a moment. Um, I want to encourage you also, I was thinking that June is upon us, and uh, summer is here, and school is either out or just about out. I want to encourage you to to get together with your family. Uh, Some of our best memories are family vacations. And we were actually uh, all having breakfast this morning, uh, all of our kids, and uh, we were having breakfast together and we were just talking about some of those memories. And we have vacation be coming up in July, and so we were talking about some of that. And we we were telling funny stories. And so one of them we were just reminded of, um, we have three children, most of you know Josh, James, and Elaine. And uh, James was afraid of roller coasters growing up. He hated roller coasters. Uh, He despised roller coasters. He did not want to go on a roller coaster. And uh, we were actually at a water park one time, and they had this big ride that was real high. You all got in this thing together, and it was, you know, down like this. And uh, we were saying, come on, the whole family will do it. And he said, I don't want to do it. And we talked him into it. So anyway... We ride this ride, and when we got to the bottom, Josh said to James, you were crying on that last part. And James said, I was not. I was crying the whole way. (laughs) So anyway, we've had a lot of great times with our family. All right, Psalm 103, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 4, and we're on the fourth benefit. Uh, So Psalm 103 verse 1 says, bless the Lord. O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, don't forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So since God crowns us, the title of the message this weekend is Divine Crowns. And we're going to talk about what does this mean that God crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy. So I have three questions for you that we'll answer. Here's the first one. What is a divine crown? Since God crowns us, obviously it's divine because God is divine. So what is a divine crown? Well, a crown all through Scripture represents authority. So God gives us authority and wants us to walk with authority on this earth. I'll show you and we'll unpack that some today, but I want to remind you that Jesus, God's Son, walked with authority when He was on this earth. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite Scriptures is Matthew 7, 28 and 29, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught as one having authority. They never heard teaching like that. And Jesus came and taught. These verses are at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And after that sermon, it said the people were astonished because he taught as one having authority. Well, where did he get that authority? And many people think, well, He had it because he was Jesus. I want you to understand something about authority, though. All authority is given. 
It's given. Matter of fact, right before the Great Commission, we quote, quote the Great Commission where Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, I just want to show you what he says right before Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, has been given to me. And in John 13, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now, it goes on to say, John 13 is the chapter where he washes the disciples' feet. So, I want you to think about this. How could he wash their feet? Well, it tells us he knew that the Father had given him all things. He knew he had authority. Authority is given. By the way, authority can be taken back and authority can be lost. Authority is given by God and God alone. You can have the position and the title and not have authority. Now, I know that with the position comes responsibility. I understand that. But I know that there have been times when people have positions of authority, but they don't have authority. Because authority comes from God and from God alone. Jesus knew they had authority. Authority doesn't come from the way you talk. Doesn't come from the way you walk. Doesn't come from the way you carry yourself. Jesus walked as a lamb. We know that he's the great shepherd, but I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Before he was the shepherd, he became a lamb. The lamb of God. And he walked on this earth, not as this know-it-all or this big shot, but as this loving, kind, merciful Savior that he is, and yet he had great authority. See, so many times we talk about he crowned, we were talking about he crowns us and we focus on the crown and the crown is for authority and we're going to talk about why God gives us authority, but Jesus walked with loving kindness and tender mercy. That's how he was crowned. And everyone knew that came in contact with him that he had authority. Sometimes people who don't even have a big title or position, but they know God, they walk in more authority than someone who has a title or a position. I heard a story uh, a while back from one of our members, and I'm not going to say the names of the organizations just because I don't, because the messages go out and I don't feel like I need to do that. But I want to tell you the story because it's, it's amazing when you think about this, because this head of this national organization, that if I said the name, everyone in the world would know this organization. Head of a national organization, he has, he's got this godly, spirit-filled mother that prays for him. And he is this great big man. And he, I mean, he's big. I was at a function a while back with the member of our church that knows him and works with him. And this guy came in the room and boy, he walked in the room, you know, like he owned the room. And so we're talking about this and I heard this story. So this member of our church, who's also head of a large corporation that you would know, he's talking to this guy who's the head of this national organization. And he's saying to him, the member of our church is saying to him, we need to take a stand right now on a moral issue that's facing our country. And we need to be bold, and we need to take that stand. And this guy who's not a member of our church, head of this organization, has got this godly mother that prays for him, you know. He's saying, I just don't know. There's a lot of media attention on this issue right now, and I don't know. And should, maybe we shouldn't say anything. And this member of our church kept saying to him, no, we should say something. We should take a stand. This guy kept saying, I, I just don't know. And then this member of our church said to this guy, do you want me to call your mother? <laughs> And this guy said, no, no, don't call my mother. He said, I'll stand with you. I'll, I'll stand with you. Here's why. Because he knew who had the authority. His godly, 
praying, spirit-filled mother walked in authority. So what is a divine crown? It's, it's authority. So here's question number two. Why are we crowned? Why are we crowned? I mean, it says who crowns us. So why does God crown us? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the answer, but I'll show you the scripture. He crowns us to reign in this life over sin and death. Let me say it again. God crowns us. He gives us authority to reign in this life over sin and death. Now, turn to Romans chapter 5 if you put a, a marker there. Romans chapter 5, look at verse 21. It says, so that as sin reigned in death, sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, here's what Romans 5 is telling us, and you can read the whole chapter later, but it's telling us that sin reigned in our lives and death reigned in our lives until grace came. That sin and death reigned in our lives, but now if we've accepted Jesus Christ, grace reigns in our lives. Now, look though, how do we reign in this life? Look back at verse 17. It says, for if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more, now, now I know this, is, this sentence is a little hard to understand, but just stay with me, much more, watch, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life, not just in the afterlife, but right now, through the one, Jesus Christ. Now look at it again, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. So, how do you reign in life? It's not by doing, it's by receiving. <laughs> and it's by receiving an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. By receiving an abundance of grace. Now, I just wanna confess something to every one of you here. I need an abundance of grace every day every day. And I know I need an abundant, I don't need little grace, I need a lot of grace. I need a lot of God's divine enabling and divine power and God's mercy and forgiveness and His grace. And I know that I need, Here, here's the problem, I think there are some believers who don't really believe that they still need an abundance of grace. When they got saved, they knew they needed an abundance of grace. They knew they needed it. But now they're leaders in the church and they're doing well and they read their Bible and they pray every day, which is great, which is absolutely great. But we receive, and that helps us to receive that abundance of grace, but we still need to receive an abundance of grace every day. And the gift of righteousness. Now righteousness means right standing with God. And the only way we are in right standing with God is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we receive the gift of right standing with God. And that's how we reign in this life. Um, last week, I read a verse in Revelation chapter 5 that he, Jesus has redeemed us. And we talked about that He has redeemed us. We actually read Revelation 5, 9. It's amazing to me that the third benefit was redemption. The fourth is reigning, crowning, reigning. And in Revelation 5, verse 9 talks about redemption. Let me show you what the next verse says. Verse 10 says, and you, talking about Jesus, I, the, the you is implied because it's in the verse before. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. 
You've redeemed us out of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and have made us kings and priests. Now, why did he make us kings and priests? So we could reign. I want you to think about this. A king reigns and a priest connects people to God. A king reigns and a priest connects people to God. And he has made us kings and priests. Let me tell you what God wants. God wants you to be able to reign over sin and death in this life and then help other people also reign over sin and death. He wants us to be kings and priests unto him. Now, the reason that we can reign on this earth is because we know God has crowned us. He's given us authority. The reason Jesus walked with authority and power on this earth is that he knew he had received that authority from his father. Let me tell you a, a story. My, my, many of you know my father owned a, a company when I was growing up. And so I would work for my father's company during the summers. And so one summer, I came back from college and went uh, out on the job site. It was the first day on the job site. And I was the uh, head of the crew because I'd been doing this for many years and I, I knew the work that we did. So I, we go out on the job site and I guess there's this guy that was new that had come to work from the time the summer before, you know, when he didn't know me. And uh, we're out there on the job site and this guy is using foul language. And my dad didn't allow that. I mean, he did not allow that at all. So this guy's using foul language and he's doing it in front of our clients. And so I pulled him over to the side and I said to him, uh, you can't use that language. And he said to me, well, who the blankety blank are you? And I said, I'm uh, Robert Morris and my father owns this company and he does not allow language like that to be used. So you cannot use that language. He said, I blankety blank can. I said, you're blankety blank fired. <laughs> Except I didn't say blankety blank. <laughs> I didn't say the other, I'm just, I'm just joking, okay? <laughs> don't, don't fill in the... <laughs> you can't use that language, but I'll tell you one thing, pal. And he went back to my father's office at the end of the day because I made him sit in the truck the rest of the day. He goes into my father's office and says, your, your, your son fired me today. He said, why'd he fire you? He said, because I was cussing. He said, you're fired. And my son has the authority to do it. You know why I fired the man? Because I knew that my father had given me authority. I knew it. I was in college. He was in his 40s. But I knew I had authority. I knew that my father had invested in authority in me to represent him to our clients. Now listen to me carefully. <laughs> our father has invested authority in us to represent him to the clients, people that don't know him yet. That's why he's crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. And so here's the, the third question, with what are we crowned? With what are we crowned? Here's the reason I'm saying this. I think we focus too much sometimes in the body of Christ on the crowning part and not with what we're crowned. Look at Psalm 103 again, verse 4, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Not just kindness, but loving kindness. And not just mercy, but tender mercy. By the way, this word crown has a second meaning in Hebrew, and it means surrounds. I don't want you to think about that, surrounds. That God surrounds us with loving kindness and tender mercy. Our God is a merciful God. Our God is famous for mercy. He loves to be merciful. 
Jesus said to them, you, you need to go learn what this scripture means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's Jesus talking. Our God is merciful. I, I want you to hear this. I want you to go away with this. I want you to, we, we should be the most merciful people on the face of the earth because we've received mercy. We should extend mercy to people. Now, I'm going to, I just thought about this when I was uh, preparing this message. I got this statement, I feel, from the Lord, and I, I was noticing this last weekend. I don't, I don't uh, get on my Twitter account a lot uh, to read what other people say, but uh, I just noticed in how many times I'm quoted, people will take a statement that I say and, and, and tweet it, retweet it. You know, I think that's what it's called. So, um, so I, I just want to say that I'm not saying this to be tweetable, but this is tweetable, <laughs> what I'm about to say, okay? God is so merciful that even his throne is called the mercy seat. God is so merciful that even his throne is called the mercy seat. Hebrews says that we can go in time of need to the throne of grace, and we can find grace. So I want you to know God is merciful. Now, this, this phrase, loving kindness and tender mercy, David uses this phrase a lot. Let me just show you a couple places here. Psalm 25, verse 6, remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness. Psalm 40, verse 11, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. In Psalm 51, David is confessing adultery. Psalm 51, verse 1, this is how he starts it. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. See, here's the reason I think David used these phrases so much. I think he understood that he had received an abundance of grace. <laughs> I think he understood that he'd received a gift of righteousness, right standing with God. And I think he understood that the authority that he had was given to him by the Father and could be taken away. I think if we will walk in humility as believers, walk in kindness and mercy, then we'll have the authority to overcome sin and death in our lives. I'm saddened by the way a lot of Christians walk and talk today. I want you to think about the arrogance that we've seen in the body of Christ. Instead of the humility that Christ walked with, here's our Lord and our Savior. We focus so much on the reigning part, and we think that He called us to reign over everybody around us instead of over sin and death, and to represent loving kindness and tender mercy to everyone around us. That's what He's called us to do. Now, this, this crown all week just kept coming back to me that God has crowned us. And I want you to remember how God crowned us. And I want you to ever forget how He crowned us. Let me tell you how He crowned us. He took the crown off of His Son and put it on us. And He took the crown that was meant for us and put it on His Son. Let me read it to you. And I want you to hear this and see this as if it's the first time you've ever heard and saw it. Mark 15, verse 16 says, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, which could have been 100 soldiers. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns 
and put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. The king of the universe took our crown. And let me tell you what we should do in response to that. We should act like the 24 elders in the book of Revelation, and we should cast our crowns at his feet every day and say, you are worthy of all glory and honor because you redeemed us to God and you have made us kings and priests to our God. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to just take a moment like we do at the end of every service and just say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And I want you to know that if there is a sin that's reigning in your life, if there's an area where you're in bondage, you can be free from that. Jesus Christ took your crown so you could be free. And one of his benefits, one of his benefits is that he wants to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. We want to pray for you. I I want you to give your life to the Lord today. I want you to be water baptized today. Nail it down today. Jesus Christ died publicly for you. Be water baptized today publicly for him. Give your life to him. We want to help you. Give your life to him. We want to help you to give your life back to him. We want to help you if you're a believer and you're going through a difficult time right now and you need prayer. All of us need prayer. In just a moment, we're going to have one more worship song. And during that worship song, we're going to have leaders at the front of every campus and at the front of every overflow room. And if you need prayer for any area of your life, I want you to come to the front, whichever campus you're attending, and just say to one of the leaders, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need that loving kindness today. I need that tender mercy. I need an abundance of grace today. I need the gift righteousness, right standing with God. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand at every campus, and you come, all right, God, I pray that you will draw every person at every campus that needs prayer in any area. In Jesus' name.